from talking to me. I have heard of you um, probably, I would say, um, maybe like six-ish months ago, maybe like four-ish months ago, I think. Um, and I think I stumbled across your video um, on my on my YouTube, um, like the front page of my YouTube, uh, when you were talking about why you left the left and kind of like a little bit about how that happened. And I was like, oh my God, that's so interesting. And then probably going on, you know, a few months after that, as I'm going through this turmoil of kind of what you went through, I think, but definitely not on the same level of um, knowledge, because I think you are a lot more um, eloquent in terms of politics than me. But I was like, you know what, this is actually very interesting. And I'd love to speak to you about that. So um, if you could just let me know a little bit about yourself and how that happened, how did you, how did you come up with this, you know, this development in your life? What happened? Was there like a particular event? And when was this that you decided, you know, actually, this isn't for me and I want to want to leave the left? Yeah, so um, it was it was a long journey. It it wasn't any one thing or one issue. It felt like a very gradual kind of like awakening almost in a sense. In 2016, uh, you know, my my now husband, he was my boyfriend at the time, but we we had we owned a house together. Like we were very committed to our life together, you know. He actually voted for Donald Trump. And at the time, I was just so adamantly opposed to Trump. I hated him. I was very vocal about it. And um, he he had told me he wasn't even planning on voting, right? So I'm over here, like, I'm going off the polls, and I'm, you know, I voted for Hillary Clinton, but I wasn't super excited about it. It was just like, I don't want to vote for Trump. <laughs> so that's where I was at. And he kind of made a last-minute decision, and he ran out, like, right before the polls closed, and voted for Trump. And it's interesting because, um, you know, he wasn't political. Like, he just wasn't. Um, he was pretty liberal, uh, not as far left as I was, but he was, he was fairly liberal-minded. You know, when we were growing up, like, I was an emo kid. He was a punk kid, very anti-establishment, very, you know, that was just our, our crowd. And, you know, he was talking to a friend of his, and he was like, I just want something different. I just want to see what this guy's going to do. I want to change. Um, and then I kind of chastised him actually for voting for Trump when he didn't really know a lot about politics because I was arrogant and I thought I knew, um, all of the things. <laughs> and so he kind of took that as a challenge. He went off and he started learning a lot more about like philosophy and ideology and then kind of got into politics and his opinions started changing. So he just wanted to talk about that with me. So we went through this like couple of years long process of him kind of shifting on his own and wanting to have these conversations and I struggled having the conversations I really struggled um, being challenged in my ideas I think I had built up an echo chamber around me without realizing it um, and just everybody around me kind of thought the same way and in the same vein and there were a few people I knew who would um, you know, at the time it was like, uh, they would talk about like gender ideology. Nobody had that term at the time, of course, but, um, at least in my, my circle and they would say stuff like, oh, well, you know, gender dysphoria, for instance, is, is a, it's a mental health condition. It's, it's something that needs to be treated. And, um, that's what we're at. And I would, I would just get so offended by that and say, no, no, no. Like, how can you say those things? And so, uh, and there was a lot of issues like that. Um, and then having these conversations with my husband, you know, he kind of just kept pushing of like, 
well, I just want to, I just want to be able to talk openly and freely and not have this devolve into like an argument of some. Um, so we just kind of went through this, that process. And over time I started realizing that like I was getting angry because I felt like I was wrong and I had no way to substantiate my claims and no way to really back up my views with any kind of evidence other than like emotional appeals or how I felt about something. And then, you know, kind of delved into like, we would watch content together, like from all sorts of people, a lot of Jordan Peterson, I think that was where we started was with uh, some of his old lectures and interviews and stuff like that. And then like Dave Rubin and Tim Pool and a lot of um, people who also kind of went, you know, they were on the left and then they kind of started shifting as well. Um, and then listen to a lot of conservative uh, people as well. And I had to like really force myself to do that. It wasn't something that I, I enjoyed doing necessarily, but then we would sit and we would have conversations about whatever the topic was. We would talk back and forth. We would, we would do that. And it just got to a point where I was like, okay, these people are bringing up really good points and I need to actually look into their claims and do some research. And then that's just what happened. My views just slowly started shifting. And I think the the final uh, nail in the coffin was like on the abortion issue. Um, and I I remember my husband saying, well, you know, people are, are advocating for like abortion on demand at any time for any reason, like up until birth, essentially. And I was like, that's not happening. Nobody's advocating for that. Nobody's saying that. And then he started showing me clips and videos of people advocating for just that and saying just that. And it just really, like, it just felt like all of that time spent, you know, exposing myself to other views and kind of going one by one through all of the issues that I was really passionate about at the time, or at least loud about at the time, and reanalyzing it. And when I got to that point, it just felt like it all kind of imploded at once. Um, and because I felt like there was like, I can it a lot to like bubbles bursting. It's like these few smaller bubbles start bursting and then you reach like kind of like the, I don't know, the, the pinnacle of it. Um, and I just felt like after that, I was like, I, I don't align with these, with this way of thinking anymore. I just don't, I don't align with how people are going about sharing and expressing their views i realized how like emotional i had become um and it just it wasn't productive to actually having a conversation about any of these things so um and i still kind of struggle with that at times i have to like take a step back and be like why why am i getting riled up about this particular issue or why am i having an emotional reaction when somebody says you know whatever to me like what you know there's some comments that i get I can, uh, can elicit emotional reactions. So I try really hard now to just step back and like analyze that and be like, why, why am I getting upset about this? Or why does this bother me? Or, um, and I think right now we're just so, we're so polarized, <laughs> which really doesn't help. It really spoke to me when you said two things in particular, first of all, that it's an emotional reaction. And I definitely, first of all, experienced that myself what it felt like if someone had a different opinion to you, that's an attack on you. Like you as a person, you as, um, you know, an individual, everything that you stand for, that was an attack on that rather than 
actually the thing you are saying or you are talking about like you know no matter who is saying it they would be saying the same thing they'd be saying can you prove it can you tell me more about it it felt like it was an attack it was an attack on you as a person and the more I started as you said taking a step back I, I call it you know gaining perspective and walking back and thinking actually if someone else said that would I still feel the same if, you know, if it was Tommy saying the same thing I'm saying, would I feel like that person is attacking them? Well, no, I'd be saying he's just wanting to find out what your views are and what you stand for. And so I had to kind of be like, OK, you need to kind of detach yourself as a person from the things you say a lot of the time. And the more I started doing that, the more I find other people do that now. That if I say, actually, you know, I think this, I don't agree with this. And my big one, personally, for me, the, the, the penny that kind of dropped and it made, you know, as you say, all the bubbles burst. For me, it was gender ideology. And, you know, a lot of people say you have no right to speak about this. You have no, it's none of your business. But that was my experience that kind of made me shift um, because I was taught about it. I was taught at school in academia. This is what it is. This is the diagnosis. This is the treatment. And then I started seeing that a lot of people actually said, no, it's not a diagnosis. This is just how people are. We aren't supposed to be treating it. And I was like, hmm, OK, you know, maybe, you know, I kind of uh, I kind of thought about it like um, when my mom was at university or when her mom was at university, they were still taught that homosexuality was an illness that needed to be treated. So I thought maybe this is the equivalent now, you know, maybe our science is not just not quite there yet let me just kind of take a step because maybe I'm experiencing the shift where you know we thought something was um an illness but actually it isn't we thought something was a condition but actually it isn't it's just how people are so I was like okay you know let me just kind of observe and let me just kind of you know so that was um 2019 for me um when it, when I actually started kind of seeing that and then once you start seeing people saying things like we shouldn't cure autism, we shouldn't try and cure disability in general, um, you start thinking, OK, what the hell is going on? I for so, for example, this was, again, a big um, part of the part of me for, for, for me, I think it was like a year or two ago when I did my master's degree and I did it on autism and schizophrenia. And I had someone say, oh, please tell me you don't want to cure it. Please tell me you don't want to, you know. And, and I was just so mind blown. Like, how can you say that? How can you tell people, like, you don't get to live a functional life because of what I think and what I believe? You know, these people who don't have any of these conditions saying you don't get to be rehabilitated. You don't get to live as a functional individual and have a job and have a family because I deem it so. And that was kind of when I really started turning and being like, OK, I need to have a look at what has what's kind of going on and really reevaluate my beliefs and a lot of it I think is emotional and and I have seen it personally for me and I have been there as well do you think it's also predominantly young people that are being very emotional or do you think that this is you know what kind of demographic are we talking about here in your experience well you know there's a there's a lot of young people of course and you know when you're I'd say below 25 you're going to be more emotional. You're going to be a bit more, I don't know, um, hot-tempered, you know, e easily uh, uh, kind of agitated in that sense just because, like, you're younger. Um, and, and that's just how it is. Uh, unfortunately, it, it's kind of a good and a bad thing. When you're young, you're a lot more arrogant, which can be a positive thing in some aspects and negative thing in others, you know, um, just one of those things. But... I will say that, you know, I'm um, in my 30s now and I'm seeing a lot of people 
who are in, you know, the millennial category who are the same way that I used to be. And it's almost gotten worse, I feel like, over the last five years, especially. Um, and then what's interesting, too, is there's actually a lot of, uh, like, baby boomers who are doing it as well, who are kind of in in this mindset that the left has created. But I think with some of them, it's a lot more because they've sat and watched like mainstream uh, news outlets like MSNBC and CNN. And I don't I don't know what you guys have uh, over there that would be like equivalent, I guess. But they've watched these news outlets that have gone from, you know, maybe a more neutral stance, you know, 20 years ago. And over time, they've gotten more and more uh, biased and um, <laughs> frankly, not truthful in their reporting and their journalism and so they've watched these people on tv for so long that they've just kind of followed the trajectory with that and they're being given all their news through these very specific um media outlets and they're not going and and seeing what the other side is saying and that's the problem that both sides will fall into you know you're watching cnn or you're watching fox news or, or whatever else um conservative media and you're only paying attention to those well of course you're going to have a biased perspective if you're not either going and looking at what the other side is saying or maybe only reading like you know written news publications i find those to be a little bit better than like the talking heads on tv that sort of thing so i think anyone who's like only listening to one side um i don't think that's that's a good way to kind of operate i think you need to you need like i go and i watch like people that i enjoy that in like independent media but then i go and watch and see what like the the main mainstream is saying that that's kind of what i do in terms of the news and the media you've also talked about how you are almost leaning towards like communism in your video and that's very interesting to me can you um finish your point on the on the media and the kind of um news outlets that you you know consume and then tell me a little bit about that because um recently in a town that i've just moved out of um there was a whole communist a whole communist parade there was a huge um kind of meeting in the town center and i walked past and i couldn't believe it and it was the marxist society and they had the flag and i was like i thought that this is long gone like i can't believe that this is picking back up and that there was so many young people there that it was just kind of like a little bit of a shock because I thought this was maybe just online and to see hundreds of people carrying these huge flags um you know just just proudly talking about how communism is what we need um it was crazy so if you could tell me um a little bit about that as well yeah for sure um you know what's interesting is now over the past couple years and especially like just lately I I've been really delving into a lot of these theories like the the Marxism um, a lot of the postmodernism, I think, I think that's what's kind of swept over the U.S. is a lot of the postmodern um, type of uh, ideology, and it's being like touted as progressive. Really, it's just a lot of a lot of these ideas have just been recycled over and over, which they're presented in new ways um, for like the younger generation to kind of grab hold of. Because, like, I mean, we went through a lot of these things already in history, and it's interesting because I didn't have a name or any of this stuff when I was kind of like getting out of this and and I started fairly liberal minded like I grew up really poor um I grew up within a lot of like just constant turmoil instability chaos in my life uh had a lot of mental health issues when I was uh, very um young like a teenager um and 
I just really fought to kind of get out of that. And I wanted to do better and I wanted to make my life better. But when I became an adult, I was so overly compassionate that I didn't see that even if I had good intentions, the outcome wasn't resulting in something positive necessarily that, you know, the outcome of, of what my ideas would eventually lead to. So I didn't even realize, like, at the time, I didn't realize how far left I was. I was just hearing a bunch of ideas, and they sounded so great. And I was like, yes, I want people to be taken care of. And yes, I want everyone to be equal. And yes, I want everyone to have all of their, you know, individual freedoms and rights and stuff like that without understanding that, like, everybody was already equal and everybody had these same afforded freedoms, um, especially after, like, you know, we passed gay marriage here. And, and so it's just really interesting that, you know, the the oppressor, oppressee, uh, mindset had kind of creeped in and I hadn't realized it. And I was starting to look at the world through this lens of like, there's always like a bad guy type of thing. When in reality, like every society has hierarchies. And when it comes to the postmodernist kind of way that's coming in here, they don't want to just dismantle the hierarchy. They just want to replace it with their own, which is what has happened with the intersectionality, the gender ideology, that sort of thing. And so it's taken me a very long time to understand these at even the most basic fundamental level because these are very complex theories and topics and they all intertwine and it's just a lot of history to read up on um but then to be able to also vocalize that <laughs> uh it's, it's, it can be tough sometimes because you can see something happening but have struggle explaining what it is that you're seeing or what you think you're seeing no definitely 100 percent. and i think that's what it is as well a lot of the time you see some you see a change or you see a process and you're like hmm this is this isn't good but i can't tell you why i'm not exactly and i think this is where the literacy in terms of world history and in terms of politics and probably a lot of philosophy as well comes in into play here um and again you know i'm a newbie when it comes to actually which is so crazy to say but when it comes to just speaking out and not feeling like I have to self-censor in terms of like, I have to keep my opinions to myself. Otherwise it might be an unpopular opinion because all of your friends think one way and you're actually too scared to say anything because then you're going to lose your friends and you're going to lose your family or whatever that may be, you know, depending on how strongly they feel about their political agenda. And so, you know, it's, it's so crazy. So the fact that we have to almost be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not scared anymore to say that I don't agree with someone like to get to that point is so crazy um but I've mentioned you know before where I was like I just one of one one of the probably like grains of doubt in my head was again when I was younger and there was people talking about communism and I came from Poland my mom still remembers you know the the leftovers of communism and she, and her her mom remembers communism and I've never met anyone who was like my god amazing yes like our you know lives were so great under communism every single person that I've ever spoke to, every single person of their family hated how it was. So to see these young people now talk about, you know, we, th there shouldn't be any privately owned property, like there shouldn't be anything of that. And you just sit there and you're like, you're 20, you're 21. Like, I can't believe that you would be so strongly opinionated in such radical views because it is a radical view to completely dismantle the societal um hierarchies and the societal system as it is right now and say no get that out bin that and let's do it how i think it should be done when you are 
in your 20s when you have no idea about the world yet, really, because, you know, I am sure that when I'm going to be 45 or 50 or 60, I'm going to think, wow, at 20, I knew nothing. So for those kids, you know, that are like my age to say, we need to completely dismantle how society is now and actually listen to people who think like me and redo it over, even though it has been done in other places and it hasn't as of yet been proven clearly successful. Um, that to me is so incredibly crazy. And with that, I also wanted to tell you and like to talk to you and, and, and to hear your opinions on feminism, because I had a lot of unpopular, um, unpopular opinions on feminism, because I don't classify myself as a feminist. Um, and the reason I don't classify myself as a feminist is because depending on who you ask, it's a completely different story. Some people will be like, it's just about um, equality. And then some people will be like, well, you know, feminism is about all the other things as well. You have to think about, you know, all the other minorities and the gender ideology, because that's also a part of it. And then you have to, you know, depend on who you talk to, you have to go further and further and further to prove that you are a feminist. Um, and so I don't want people having some kind of pre-made idea of what that is if I say that word. So I would rather they just talk to me and then worked out and through asking me questions they worked out whether or not i fit their idea of what feminism is um so what is your position on that because i know that you've changed your mind kind of a little bit on that as well i think yeah i think uh i think overall feminism has been turned into um you know a movement that was uh, the goal was equality and now the goal is superiority that's just what it is uh, because more and more I see it, it's interesting too when you when you lump in gender ideology with all of this when you lump in like trans women for example um, and the clear problems that are that are occurring because because of all of that being intermingled and mixed and treating males as if they are females and, and all of that because I end up aligning with like radical feminists on gender ideology but I'm nothing else like not like we will we will argue about all other all other kinds of things but then the like i don't know the more um vanilla version i guess you would say of like the feminists now all support the gender ideology so it's just really weird feminism in and of itself has become intersectionalized to such a degree that i don't even know what what the mainstream version of it is to them anymore because mm -hmm. all i can see it is like from the outside looking in now because it's all just divided up and none of it makes any sense when you start comparing all the arguments together um which the contradictions is what really has opened my eyes in so many different ways on a lot of these ideas because people just are not connecting the dots they're sitting there and looking at issues so microscopically that they're not looking at the bigger picture and how everything connects and i think that's a very flawed mindset in and of itself but with feminism right now, um, it's frustrating for me because now it's just become demonization of men. It's it's become also the push to feminize men. And I don't think that's a good thing necessarily. I think that there are just more effeminate men. I think there are more emasculate women. I think that's fine. But I think to try to create that out of people and push more and more to like, you know, just like socialize boys like girls and... and um, all of this stuff, I just don't think it's going to result in positives because it's not because we have generations of men who are lonely and angry and they don't have anyone to like go to with their problems anymore because they can't even find 
women necessarily who want to create that strong partnership. Um, and I think like, in a sense, women have been masculinized to, and like almost like socialized like men as adults. Well, you, you know, just act like men, just sleep around and just do all of these things and it's fine. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's like, no, I, I think there's actually something wrong with it when either sex does that. I think it's, it's not good to treat these interactions so casually to treat relationships so casually. I think that one of the most important things you can do is find like your person. But, um, you know, when I look at like the dating scene and I've, I've delved into like, I don't know if you've taken the leap into like the red pilled community at all. Um, where it's like a lot of, uh, uh, content creators kind of talking about this sort of thing. Um, and I've listened to what a lot of them have to say, and it's interesting because I see I hear so many good points brought up, but at the same time, like the MGTOW red pill community is basically what feminists are, but in yeah. a polar opposite. And both sides just end up blaming each other for all the problems in society without seeing that this is a joint venture. And I think it's happening like that all when in every different topic, that's what's happening. It's like both sides are starting to act the exact same way and then just blaming the other side when it's like, whoa, like we need to slow down. We need to calm down. We need to kind of come back to the center. But yeah, I think feminism overall is just, it's uh, it's resulting in very entitled <laughs> women um, in a sense. And it's making men, not want to interact with women. What I find interesting is that we told women it's about um, equality and that's great. I support that um, equality in terms of opportunities, not outcomes. Um, but we told them, you know what, you can do everything dudes can and more, like go out there, do your thing. Amazing. This is why we have platforms. This is why we can go to school. Incredible. And then somewhere along the way, we said, actually, um, you can do everything you want as long as you choose to do what we think you should be doing. So now we have women who are kind of taking a step back and saying, actually, you know what? Thank you so much for everything that you've done. I want to stay at home and have kids and I want to just be a stay at home wife. All shit breaks loose. How dare you? How dare you do that? How dare you? Yes, we wanted you to have a choice, but that's the wrong choice. And I see that and I'm like, what is happening here? I thought the entire mm -hmm. point was that we could do whatever now. We are, you know, we, we've equalized, right? Yes, there's a gender pay gap, but I don't think it's because someone looks at you and goes, well, you're a woman, so we're going to pay you less. Because, you know, it's it's all about the choices that we make, okay? We want to have kids a lot of the time. We are not willing to completely throw away our life and family relations in order to pursue a super high career. Some people do, and some of them are women, but majority of them are men. And I speak from experience and I speak from the from the statistics and the things that you even see in interviews. There was an interview that I've seen, I'm gonna try and find it and, and post it kind of in here once I'm onto editing, but it was basically a street interview and, and someone was like, would you rather have a really high profile job or would you rather clean the sewers for 100K a year? And every single girl was like, every single woman was like, oh, I'd rather take the, the, the high paid, the, the high profile job. Like, I don't want to do that. And it's like, well, there you go then. If a, if a job pays you more and, you know, I'm not generalizing for all of this, but there is studies into this where it's like, if a job pays you a lot more, but it's a shitty job, a lot less women are going to do that job. Pay or clean sewers for $100,000 a year. I struggle with um, the smell of poo. <laughs> so I think a high profile job with no pay. Um, 
I would prefer to have the high-profile job without pay because if I was high-profile, I'd market myself to be sponsored by some company. I'm cleaning sewers for 100K, man. Ain't no shame in my game. I'm cleaning sewers. There's no question about it. Why? More money. <laughs> Clean? No, clean the sewers. I'm just going to my head. No, I'm going to clean the sewers for $100,000 a year. Uh, oh I'd rather to first one. <laughs> okay, so wouldn't that explain why you're paid less? Because uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to do... Because I really don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want to do the dangerous, dirty jobs. I know. So could that possibly be why so many women earn less money than men? Yep. And that's fine, that's your choice. But then you can't turn around and say, the only reason I'm not getting promoted is because I'm a woman. Like, that's very comfortable to say. That's great. Everyone can play the victim, in my opinion. And I could say the same things. I could say, well, I'm not a millionaire yet because I'm an, an immigrant and I'm from Poland and I'm a woman. That's why. And it's like, no, actually, there's a lot more factors that go into it. But it's almost like we, just, we don't want to see it. We don't want to actually see the full picture. And whenever you bring it up to someone, it's straight to personal attacks. And it's straight to, well, how dare you say that? And it's so crazy to me that we can't have these conversations anymore because it's like forbidden. Like you can't, like that's taboo. And so, as you said, you know, even with like making women into men and then almost reversing the gender roles, that's crazy too, because you see it. And a few years back, I used to talk to my best friend about it. And I said, and this is completely not related to anything political or even my own journey to this. But I said, what scares me the most is that um, Tinder and like dating apps are making people disposable. I said, that's what's scaring me because I saw one of the one of the like men that I dated like briefly. I saw him at one point have his phone and just go like this. And I was like, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I'm just swiping on everyone. And eventually I'll get matched with someone. And I was like, that's crazy. That's like that. And that's normal. People do that. And I think for me at that point, it was like, that's like an actual person. And you just like hundreds of them a minute. And I was like, it's so crazy to me that this is so normal that we are just like, just pictures being, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just so weird that it, it is so, um, as I said, like, so disposable. Like, it's not a valuable, normal relationship anymore. And I remember also my friend saying, you know what my dream is? And she was like, my dream is for someone to approach me in a coffee shop and meet them organically. And I was like, well, that's crazy. That that's like, um, like, wow, no one does that. You know, that was like, that's a dream. For someone to just walk up to you, because everything is so chronic. <laughs> it's so crazy. And so, yeah, I genuinely do agree. I think that we are pushing women to, you know, be very much like men and then saying to them, you know, this is why it's because you are now in debt to feminism for the rest of your life, because at one point they did a really good job to get you to where you are. So therefore you have to do it for the rest of your life. Now you have to do that thing. If it was, you know, getting you into the workforce, then you can't be a stay at home girlfriend. And we see that a lot. And I've seen this on TikTok recently where, you know, girls were like, oh, this is what I do as a stay at home girlfriend. And people went crazy. And they even said, you know, this is so racist because not everyone can do this. This is your fault. And it's like, do we just not get to be mums anymore? We can't be nurturing. We can't get in touch with our, you know, at the same time as TikTok is telling you to get into your feminine side and how to do it, they're going to shit on you if you say, actually, I want to be that feminine woman and I want to be nurturing and I want to be a mother um, and I want to be a wife and a homemaker. They're going to say, no, not like that. Be yourself, but not like that. Make your choices and your decisions, but not like that. And that's 
crazy to me. And if that's what a feminist is, that I'm happy not not partaking. Yeah, so <clears throat> it's interesting. When I got onto TikTok, because that's where I started, I started making videos on TikTok in April of 2022. So we're about coming up on a year now. Um, and I did that because I felt like I couldn't talk to anyone around me, aside from my husband. And like, I mean, you know, we, we talk a lot <laughs> about a lot of different things, but sometimes you want somebody else to talk to. You want somebody new. You want someone with new perspectives to discuss things with. And I just got really, um, I was feeling isolated and alone. And in that sense of like, just not having a whole lot of different perspectives to kind of like talk to people directly about. And especially like when we went through, um, you know, in 2020, like the world was going through, you know, a whole lot of things with, uh, with the vid and all of that. But I also had just had uh, my babies. So I have uh, twins and they were premature. So it was a, a lot of, uh, a lot of isolation just because of having them so early. And then this, this crazy pandemic is happening. So then there's even more isolation. So then I'm still going through a lot of just trying to figure out where I stand on issues and, and who I align with and, and what my views are and stuff like that. And I'm still kind of like honing all of that in through like 2020. And then I would say 2021 as well. So by the time 2022 got around, I was like, I'm just sick of being silent and I'm sick of not having a place to be able to talk freely about things, um, which is like where my name comes from. Um, <laughs> but so I just was like, I, and I was on TikTok and I was seeing all of these people kind of talking about politics. Like it really shifted on the app for me where I went from seeing a bunch of stupid dances and trends and silly videos and stuff like that to all of a sudden I was seeing real conversations take place and people sharing what they think about topics and sharing news. And I was like, this is interesting. I really enjoyed this. And I was seeing some other accounts that I kind of ran across when we were both like super small, nobody knew who we were type of thing. And we all kind of had the same views. And I was like, you know what? I'm sick of being scared. I'm sick of just staying silent. I've been silent for what, two or three years at that point. I wanna, I wanna say what I think and I want to just do it and not be so scared. Um, but it took me a really long time to kind of get out of that. I was, when I, especially when I go back and I watch my older videos, I, I always look like a train wreck first off, which I think is really funny um, because I was just a stay at home mom and I'm just recording videos. Like I didn't care what, I, you know, like, um, but second off, like I was very much like very meek and kind of like I could tell I was really reserved and really holding back and I was trying not to make anyone mad and like but because I went into this knowing I'm like I'm gonna get called all of these horrible things I'm gonna be labeled as all of these horrible things and at the time I was like I don't know how to handle that and I know it's gonna happen and I know it's gonna happen and it's gonna hit hard at some point but I just didn't realize like what would happen um, when I posted that first, uh, those first two videos and I started getting thousands of followers. Um, um, within that first week I was at like 10 K and I was like super overwhelmed and I didn't know how to handle any of it. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, so I just kept talking and I just kept making videos and I would answer people's questions. I did a lot of that in the beginning. Um, and it took, like, it, it took months of me to like come into my own and be like, no, like, this is what I believe. It is okay. I'm not saying anything wrong. 
and it's okay if you are offended by anything I say. That's your choice to be offended by what I, I'm saying because I'm not the things that I talk about. It's not crazy. They're not crazy, unreasonable views. It's not extreme positions. It's a lot of just common sense and contradictions that I see. Um, and yeah, and so like, you know, kind of went through all that and then um, uh, started my YouTube and then the same thing kind of happened there where I made a couple of videos. I didn't really think anything about it. I didn't expect anything. Blew up over there. So now it's just like this constant barrage of, of a lot of different opinions and perspectives all at once. Um, so sometimes, so I'm just trying to illustrate, I went from like, nothing and talking to no one to just all of a sudden all of these people are flooding into comment sections in my inbox and wanting to do interviews and podcast and so it's just it's very surreal um the whole experience is really wild but the hate from it is really interesting um just in the in the aspects of it's just a lot of personal insults it's a lot of degradation trying to like you're stupid you're ugly you have this, this, and this wrong with you. You just don't know anything. You just don't, like, it, it's just all of that kind of thing. There are people who will try to, you know, who will criticize what I'm actually saying, and I do appreciate that. Um, mm -hmm. I'd much rather someone criticize what I'm saying than, like, just call me ugly or whatever the latest insult is. I, I just think it's so silly. It's such a waste of time. It just means you don't have a, a point to make, in my opinion. A lot of the time, it's very much, um, it's very interesting because basically when I and when I did that and I kind of said it and you know this is I feel like the point where I can really relate to you and be like oh, okay I'm not crazy some other women also feel like this you know some women some other women who have different life experiences also feel like this and the reason why I am particularly enjoying talking to people who are in the same shoes as me now or were at one point is because I I wasn't made to feel like I'm crazy it's like you know you're saying things that are like common sense and not offensive and you know you're not trying to um get people to be hurt or anything like that and then people make it out to be you know i've been told that i'm like super extreme right and i'm like radicalized and all of these things because i'm like to me this is like mild normal thing to me this is like children can't consent to have surgery under the age of 18 and suddenly it's it's like wow you are a, a bigot and a transphobe and you don't deserve to have employment and we're gonna find you and we're gonna contact your school or, or like your job or whatever you know and this is like that's crazy whoa like all you're saying is things that you think mm -hmm. are common sense and yet it's been so insane and i think it dilutes down the message as well which is one of the reasons why i said before like stop telling me that i'm oppressed i was like i i personally am not oppressed and you're taking away the voices from actually oppressed people who need the spotlight who need to be you know in the center of attention and we need to listen to them right if you have women in for example particular socioeconomic situations on other countries that are actually being oppressed you shouldn't be stood here and say well actually you're oppressed just because you're a woman and and people hate you and in the world you know the glass ceiling and all of these things and it's like you're telling kids from a very young age you know congrats you're not going to amount to anything because of your skin color or because of your gender or because of what's between your legs and it's like stop telling this is one of the things where i was so frustrated it's like stop telling me i'm oppressed because i cannot sit there and tell you one thing that has been denied for me just because I'm a woman, just because, like not no nothing else, just simply because I am a woman. That is the like I cannot tell you anything like that. But there is people out there in the world who can, 
And so we need to focus on those people rather than telling, for example, in my opinion, people like me that they're oppressed and they need to be liberated. It's like you're taking away that attention. And so, you know, when I was talking about this, I start seeing comments like, oh, well, just because you're not oppressed doesn't mean that feminism doesn't exist. And I was like, oh, my God, that's true what people say, that people take things <laughs> them and just say something that co- that you completely actually made a point of saying it's not like that. Like, I understand that. And they'll be like, oh, wow, like instead of listening to me, you're like, this is what you said. And it's so crazy. And I never thought that that was going to be like a really prevalent thing. And it is. Um, So as you say, it is going to be something that comes at you quickly and you do have to learn how to handle it. And I also think it dilutes the message because if you can be called um, a racist just for saying, I want to stay at home and have babies, then it's like, what is, what is that now? You know? And me and my fiance talked about it before where he was like, it's so crazy where he was like if someone told me like oh like tom over there he's a racist i can't just assume what that means because now i have to ask why because it could be that that person is chronically online and they think that just because tom is working out and actively doesn't want to be fat therefore he's fat phobic and because that's rooted in racism nowadays he is also a racist and it's like that's crazy that we don't actually know what the words mean anymore. These are such big, heavy words, and they've been diluted and overused so much that really, it can mean anything at this point. Yeah, and that's really the goal, actually, is to make um, to make definitions as, as malleable as possible, because when you control the language, you control the way people think and the way people view the world. So if you kind of look at everything through these, these lenses of oppression... And, you know, the travel wise thing was crazy to me that people really, really trying to make it out to be like, if you want to stay home with your babies, you're actually uh, upholding white supremacy because of the time period within like that you're that you're romanticizing. And it's like, no, women just just really want to to just raise their children. And these like this tic tac trad wife thing is just kind of like women having fun with it and probably getting back to like, oh, I want to wear these nice vintage dresses and I want to look nice and I don't want to walk around my house in pajamas. And it's like, that's not my style. I will walk around in my house in pajamas. Thank you very, very much. But, like, you know, because I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I also work from home. And I, and I don't mean work as in, like, YouTube. Like, I have an actual freelance job um, where I do copywriting. So it's like, you know, I have a lot of stuff going on all at the same time. And so I have kind of that that weird hybrid of like, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I'm a bit more modernized in the sense that I'm doing other things as well. And I have to learn how to balance all that and juggle all of that. Um, and so it's just, it's really interesting to kind of watch both sides of that. Uh, and yeah, I don't think we're doing, I don't think we're doing young women, especially a service. And we're sitting here saying, you need to be hyper-focused on your career. That's all that matters. Don't waste your time trying to find a man. Don't waste your time trying to find um, you know, a, a family basically to create, not trying to follow, trying to create a family. Um, and I just, I, you know how many women I see now that are hitting their thirties and they're going, Oh my God, I didn't have kids. Do I still have time? And they're like panicking about it. Or like women who start coming up on their thirties and they're like, I'm running out of time. I need, I need to do this. I need to figure out how to have a baby and this is what I want. And it's like, it's really sad because it's like, here I am. And I've been with the same man since I was a teenager, since I was 19 years old, and I've known him for much longer than that. And 
you know, we've always had this plan and we had kids a bit later, but we just wanted to get really like nailed down and everything solidified before we had children. And sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, like I wish we would have done it when a little bit younger, but at the same time, it's like, no, I had twins. It was very chaotic. It was a lot going on. It was a really stressful situation, them being born so early and all that good stuff. So it's like, yeah, it was probably for the best. But, um, but yeah, overall, I just don't think we're, we're doing society at large any favors by sitting here going, <laughs> women are so oppressed, but yet there's women who are building empires on OnlyFans. Like, how are mm-hmm. you oppressed? in that sense and and you want to complain about being objectified by men but your commodity like you're treating it as a commodity you're treating yourself as a commodity to then sell online to men and it doesn't make sense from that perspective of like which is it is it empowerment or is it victimhood that you want to go for and it's also so crazy to me that what is so insane and and this was and yet another bubble that kind of burst that we said to women, you know what you should do in order to be li- really liberated? Sex work. At 18, 19, you should start an OnlyFans. You should start getting naked and selling nudes and performing sexual, you know, pornographic videos and whatever else and acts online. That's really, f- that's that's what a feminist would do. That's crazy to me. That, that And no one went, hang on a second. Um Yes, if that's what you choose to do as a fully grown adult, fine, okay. But at the same time, a lot of these women are in their teens, 19, 20, 21, 22, and they are putting themselves, literally, no pun intended, but like widespread open on the internet, hoping because these influencers as such are going to, you know, they're posting, and I've seen them on, on Twitter, posting next to the Bentleys being like, thank you, OnlyFans. And now you think that you're going to make all this money when in reality, what's going to happen is that all of that material, without a doubt, will be leaked and you will find yourself. And now even with AI is the scariest thing ever where they can put your face on, on a film where you've never been in it and you've had these influencers on Twitch crying about and saying how damaging that is. That is the scariest thing ever. And the fact that at some point we managed to twist this movement of feminism and twist this movement of not even feminism, but just in general, you know, liberating young women and helping young, young women to, into, to, to essentially groom them into sex work. And it's like, for all these yeah, years, we've yeah, been, yeah. you know, the they've been fighting for we are not an object and don't objectify us and then it's like but actually you know if we just call it feminism they'll objectify themselves because they're so dumb that that's what they'll do and it's like that's what we're doing now that's what we're telling them instead of just kind of being a guide and being a role model and telling them actually you know maybe focus on this or focus on that or even making them aware of the consequences because like who isn't expecting that to be leaked like i don't understand how people can have this illusion that this is a safe platform where no one else will see it unless they pay for it of course they will people like people will leak it people will take screenshots people will send it to your parents people will do evil things with these kinds of images and your not only your mental health but your entire life will be flipped upside down um i don't know you know if someone doesn't like you and they find out where you work you don't think that they're going to send that to to people that you work with like it's crazy that there's so such heavy consequences and it's almost like we don't tell them or we just think like oh you'll find out when you find out and that's your problem and i think we really failed people here yeah i do too and you know what's interesting is like when i was like you know younger and like you know a teenager early adult all that it, it was like 
it was like the worst thing ever if you if if a nude got out uh, of a girl you know she's sending it to a boyfriend the boyfriend sends it to his buddies or they break up and he sends it you know what i mean like that was like mortifying it's like the worst thing in the world and then all of a sudden now it's like being encouraged to quite literally put your body just for everyone to see online and to use that in um in that way and it's like you know there are women like that's your bag you know uh, you do you but at the same time it's like i don't I don't think it's any type of thing we should ever be promoting too young to turn to when they need money. And I actually think that's one of the, it just seems so degrading. Like, oh, I need money. Well, the only skill I have is I look good. Like, that's degrading. No, like you have other skills. You have to figure them out. You have to hone them. You have to find what else you're good at. Because, you know, it's funny is like a lot of these OnlyFans things, well, you have to know how to market yourself. You have to know how to be consistent with posting content. You have like all of the all of the strengths that you have to do in the sense of like the online platform of something like OnlyFans. Y- you could be doing as a content creator. You know, like you could yeah. you could find other ways to to make money doing the, a similar thing without having to put your body online for everyone to see in that way. Yeah, um, and so that that's kind of what frustrates me the most is like you know I don't. I don't really judge women, like, because I know women and I respect women who do that kind of thing. It's just not my favorite thing, you know? It's just, like, uh, because I think back to when I was, like, 17, 18, and just how stupid I was. Um, And, like, I'm just so glad something like that wasn't around because, you know, Mm -hmm. who's to say I wouldn't have been, you know, been taken down that road some freaking crazy reason i was i hung out with like a lot of really bad people back in the 100 percent. before i got with my husband he kind of he kind of really helped me um get grow up a little bit more than what i was doing but you know it's it's just it's just one of those things i feel like women need better role models and we don't we don't need to keep turning to like i don't know celebrities who are just walking out around trying to be as outrageous as humanly possible like i just don't think those are good role models and I'm, I'm not really sure where to turn for, for role models like that, but, um, you know, I think overall it's just, it's just not, it's just not good. And then like you have the, the, the OnlyFans teacher, like teacher, like the, the teacher who was on OnlyFans who got caught like making adult films in like classrooms and stuff, which is like, that's like, that feels illegal. That seems like it would be very illegal to do that. Um, and you, nobody's telling women like, Hey, you're never going to be able to work with children after you do this. You're never going to be able to get away from this image that you've created of yourself. Like it's just not going to happen unless you somehow figure out how to completely disappear and change your entire appearance and nobody ever recognized you again. But like it, you know, it's just one of those things you can't shake it. It's a, it's an industry you enter and you never exit. Yeah. And it's one of those where as you say, it's like, where do you turn for those role models? And I think the biggest the biggest takeaway for me from that is if you are a fully grown adult who has tried other things and this is your thing and you like that fine absolutely fine you do what you want because again you are a fully developed grown adult you can make your own decisions and you can bear the consequences of that however when you have someone who's 19 17 18 and they are consuming that content where they see big OnlyFans models who are posting next to the expensive cars and they're saying this is because of OnlyFans you can work from home and you can you know do whatever and all you need to do is just treat people like the disposable you know props 
um, and record yourself in these incredibly intimate, what used to be very, you know, sacred relationships. Now they're just kind of like throwaway experiences, um, which is again, crazy to me as someone who even grew up in, in that era where it is very like, you know, hookup culture and whatever else. It does scare me personally. And I'm only 24, I'm only 25, you know, coming up this year. And it does scare me that something that was so valuable to people. I mean, you know, when my mom, when we first came to this country and I said to my mom that one of my friends had like three boyfriends and she was like 17, my mom's head like almost popped off because my dad's the only person she's ever been with. And they have like kids together. They've been married 20, like six years. And to her, it was like, how is that possible that you would share this experience with more than one person, right? So it's like the fact that it's gone from that, from that almost, you know, maybe extreme to some cases, because I'm not expecting to have someone to, to tell someone, you know, the first person you ever sleep with will be like the last and it's like the love of your life. But at the same time, when we go from that to sleep with however many people you want all the time, well, that's not going to be healthy for you either, because that's not how humans bond. That's not how we build relationships. That's not how we build communities. And that's not how we um, have a stable life, both in a community and in a relationship and in family. It's just not as much as you want it be like it is just not and so I do think that we need to show people and especially young women like hey we have made mistakes but let us tell you exactly because of our mistakes what not to do so like you want to be on OnlyFans just make sure that you understand the consequences of that look at these people who have made these mistakes before you because you are still young like don't do this as the first line of your career because you know as you said the fact that we are kind of leaving them stranded so that they do think the only thing I have to offer is my body. And it's like, actually, no, you are very literate. You are very eloquent. You are amazing. You are very smart. Why don't you apply this? Why don't you come with me? And we can apply this in a different, um, you know, area and, and really just show them that that's not the only option. Like what you look like, that's not the end all be all. Like you can do it in a different way. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with you. And we went kind of off topic there. Um, but 100% I do think that it just it needs to be approached in a different way mm -hmm. yeah well I think there's so many things and I almost get overwhelmed sometimes in interviews and I feel like I go off the rails really easily just because like that I I see you know just like that's what we're talking about how you know a message is being preached but it's not it's not actually a good message to deliver to all of these really young people that's in so many different realms and it almost gets a little bit frustrating and overwhelming. And now, um, you know, especially in the U.S., I'm, I feel like we're gonna we're gonna see like a hard pendulum swing almost, where it's like, okay, like it's too crazy. So now we're gonna go back to like strict fundamentalist type of like traditional lifestyle. It's like, well, I don't want that either. I'm yeah. clearly not that. <laughs> and so it gets um, it gets frustrating for me. But it's like, no, I think we need to go back to like promoting family values. I think we need better human connection i think all of this online chatter is it, it's really great and I, I like obviously i use it literally every day i use social media and i love it and i do love my social media but like it has such a bad impact on your negative or um, on your mental health if you're on it too much if you're just sitting there all day long scrolling twitter all day long scrolling through comment sections all day especially if you have any type of platform and you're reading all of that no, <laughs> like, like you got to put it down. You got to take a break from the news cycle. You have to go and touch some grass and just enjoy. Like I left 
I try to leave my phone in places when I'm in the house and like if I go outside I try to leave it inside or, or whatever and just get away from it because if it's in my pocket it's too easy to like you know do 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 like and I think we all have such a bad addiction at this point to like social media and the news and wanting to stay up to date and wanting to know every single thing that's happening all of the time it's like that's not possible yeah. it's too much for humans to deal with I really think <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Um, I am going to wrap it up here because, again, I feel like we could both be talking and talking, uh, but it has been about an hour. So I just want to say that I appreciate this so much. I think this was such a great conversation. I really enjoyed your input. Um, I will leave all of your links down below as usual so you guys can find uh, our speaker, as again, as usual. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank <laughs> you.